1: Welcome to backed. Tell us a few words what you're doing.
2: First of all, thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate the invite. Um, I mean, for us, so I, I run a company, I founded a company, and I'm the CEO um, of a company called Adamus One Corp. We're a US-based company, and our primal focus is growing lab-grown diamonds. And when we talk about lab-grown diamonds, we consider ourselves the original lab-grown diamond company um, for a handful of reasons. First of all, we own pretty much all of the base patents um, for the process to grow lab-grown diamonds by chemical vapor deposition, also known as kind of CVD. Um, and we, we purchased those patents, you know, in 2019, a small factory in Greenville, South Carolina, and we went on the, the course of how do we perfect and make the best lab-grown diamonds out there at a very cost-effective price and obviously as eco- eco-friendly and social-friendly as possible. Right, Because, I mean, obviously, when we talk about lab-grown diamonds, immediately it's like, okay, how are these differentiated from a diamond that comes out of the earth? Right. Yeah. Number one, everyone's like, oh, they're synthetics. Is it like moisten? Absolutely not. I mean, we grow a real diamond. A diamond's a diamond. FTC came out in 2018 and said, look, doesn't matter if a diamond comes out of the earth or a laboratory. If it's a diamond's a diamond, like a culture of pearls, a pearl. And when I break it down in even easier terms, I go, so a baby that's an eye born out of IVF, is it a human and a baby when it's born or yeah. is it not? I mean, it's the same thing. It's like, mm. it's that same type of scenario. So we grow a diamond, chemically, mm. physically, optically, identical. It's just, we separate ourselves from traditional mining and how they acquire their diamonds and find their diamonds, um, as well as some of the, you know, the atrocities that kind of are are buried themselves around, you know, the, the culture of how they, how they get these mine diamonds, mm. whether it's, you know, you know, probably 90, 92% of the world's diamonds are coming from conflict areas when it comes to mine diamonds right now.
1: The, uh, how does the industry take it? Are they, uh, you, know, I, I, you know, coming from the outside of um, anything to do with diamonds being, you know, I don't know, male and so on, diamonds are not really my thing. But I would expect that the diamond industry is prof- probably something relatively conservative. How have they taken the idea of, you know, diamonds are not coming from the mines and uh, not from the conflict areas? Are they shocked? Do they take you seriously? So it's funny. It's a, that's a very good question, by the
2: way, because usually we're sure with the target on it just to make it easier for them. But I mean, we look at, you know, when we bought the assets in 2019, the lab-grown diamond industry didn't even represent 1% of the sales in America for diamonds right? So we weren't really that much of a threat. They tried to sandbox us. It's a synthetic. And then when the FTC came out and said, ah, it's not a synthetic, that kind of changed it a bit. And then they said, there's no resale value. And I go, well, consider we all sell off what's called the rap report. We all sell off the same base, whether you're a mine diamond or a lab grown, we all use the same reference, right? For, for the valuation of our diamonds, as well as we're certified in the same criteria and with the same governing body, GIA, IGI, etc. Um, So they've had difficulty kind of keeping the the cat in the bag. 2021 lab grown diamonds, less than 2% of sales, right? So still represented a small part of the American market and the U S market right now, 55% of diamond sales in America are lab grown. Wow. 55%. So now you're like, what do they think about them? It's, it's kind of a a dual question because we look at, now that we've crossed that threshold of over 50% and we know that the consumer, we know that the consumer has more than accepted, right? Lab-grown diamonds as a very viable alternative to a mine diamond, right? That the retailers are like, hey, this is a great revenue stream for us. As well as if you look historically, even you know, 12, 18 months ago, where distribution, like let's say it was a wholesaler for a mine diamond, they were struggling to get five to seven percent, you know, margins. Lab grown diamonds, 40, 45%. So we found a way to put money back in everybody's pocket. And for me, look, my goal is to not cannibalize and get rid of mine diamonds at all. Look, even though we both sell diamonds, we have two different categories. You know, theirs is diamonds are forever. Ours is diamonds are for everyone. Right? Mm-hmm. So people that traditionally might not have gone and bought a mine diamond, whether it's eco reasons or social reasons um, or very other reasons. Um, for us now, we give them an alternative where they can avoid those atrocities or mindset issues that they have and come over and buy an a, a environmentally conscientious diamond. Mm-hmm. And that's where we are. And I say we, I, I talk about a Domus one. What we, what we manufacture and how we manufacture our product. As far as what the other CVD companies are, I, I don't know. Those aren't my companies. So I can't say if they have better business practices, if you know the, the power source that they draw is killing the, the ecosystem and, the, and leaving a large carbon footprint. So I just know what we do as a company because we consider ourselves a true ESG company um, for a handful of reasons. First of all, even though lab-grown diamonds have a massive power draw, we're a nuclear-based power source. Almost no carbon footprint whatsoever. That's why we kept our factory in Greenville, South Carolina, as well as even if we talk about our water, because we have chiller systems, you got to keep everything cool, right? So our chiller systems are closed loop. So we don't even use 18 gallons of water a year at the facility. So we're really as environmentally conscientious as possible. And then when it comes to labor, you know, because people are saying sweatshops in China or India or labor laws are going against and child labor and blah, 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 blah. Again, whatever they do, that's on them. For us, a U.S. based company, we have massive restrictions and guidelines we have to follow when it comes to labor, right? Um, especially, I mean, you're never going to come to a Domino's One factory and see a twelve year old with an AK forty-seven around. Just that, 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 that means a little bit different here, you know. So for us, we can I can only talk about
1: what we do as a company. Of course, the uh, but the fifty five percent that's probably volume, not value, right? very very good so yes it's a volume
2: um Mm -hmm. and so when you you take that from a value standpoint even at 55 percent, it's really starting to creep up there um because we look at right now in the current market lab grown diamonds are sold anywhere between 35 and 60 percent at a discount to what that same same counter and mine diamond would sell for which gives us a really good advantage as well because we know when people go into a store let's say it's a 20-year-old, 25-year-old kid going in to buy an engagement ring for his fiancée. You know, and the first question that the the clerk of the store asks is, you know, what's your budget? Right? It's not does she want this setting or that. It's like, where's your budget so we can kind of gauge the rest of what we push out and and pitch? And let's say it's $3,000 or $4,000. And they go, okay, so for... A uh, four thousand dollars here, you can get as a mine diamond, right? Here's what you can get as a lab grown diamond, and either you go, I think I'll take the lab grown diamond. So either they can get a larger stone of the same quality, or get a higher quality stone of the same size, or save money. But
1: exactly. usually they don't
2: go for saving the money.
1: Exactly. Wow, that's uh, that's quite a quite a change in the industry. That's uh, I, I can imagine that the I don't know the diamond conferences are probably relatively interesting places the this year and the last year.
2: And they're getting aggressive. I know they, they have lobbyists coming out against the industry, and De Beers is is pushing a, a, an ad campaign, a marketing campaign. And my thing is, like, look, I love De Beers, the My Diamond guys. They've been around for thousands and thousands of years, and I want them to still be around for thousands of years. Maybe be a little more environment conscientious, right? But look, it it's we go hand in hand. I don't want to make enemies of anybody, right? You know, yeah. we all got to get along. We're in the same thing together.
1: Exactly, the uh, I mean, one part is the environmental questions. The other one is probably the societal societal questions. Or the uh, in these uh, conflict areas, that's, uh I mean, everybody has heard of terms of uh, blood diamonds. Uh, when you grow them in the lab, uh, probably no blood.
2: Involved. No, not unless someone cuts himself on something <laughs> accidentally. <laughs> it, other it, than exactly. that, no. And that's why I said it. it's like we just we are completely opposite of that. Literally, one hundred eighty like, degrees opposite. We look at our manufacturing and even us, we've we've tried to automate as much of the process as possible, right? The, the least human activity, human activity, especially when it comes to making diamonds, you know, less staff, shrinkage, um, problems. So we we've tried to automate our process as, as much as possible mm-hmm. at, at Adamas, And it's done really well for us.
0: Mm-hmm. This episode is brought to you by sax.com. At sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe.
1: Telling, tell, uh, explain in a few words how is the diamond grown in the lab? What's the kind of the process? It uh, it's, sounds relatively myst- mysterious for the for the person who has no idea about it. So we have unicorns, and the
2: unicorn, <laughs> you know, the yes, process uh, is actually very very interesting. Um, and for me, I'm not a science guy, but I it, so it's an eye opening. I love it. it's like every time I go to the factory, it's a new field trip. Um, And and the base of the process is very simple. Chemical vapor deposition very simply means turning a gas into a solid. It's been around for decades and decades using the semiconductor field. In the early 1990s, Dr. Linares said, hey, you know what? I think I can figure out how to take carbon-rich gas and turn it into a diamond by CBD. And that's what he did. So he went out. Pad in the process, R and D at pad, pad, pad. That's the portfolio that we bought in the company assets that we purchased from. So basically, it's very simple. You, we have what we call a reactor, uh, a growing chamber for diamonds. Mother nature, high pressure, high temperature. Right, we're the opposite. We do high temperature, no pressure. So we create a, a vacuum within the cylinder. We put diamond seeds on a plate. We call them diamond seeds. They're little thin wafers of a diamond. Anywhere between seven by seven millimeters to 15 by 15 millimeters, about 120 microns thick. So it's about as thick as a postage stamp. We put 40 or 50 of those on a plate. We then ignite what we call it's a plasma, which is like a miniature star or a sun. It's a burning ball of gas, um, very hot, three to 5,000 degrees C, <laughs> even hotter than living in Scottsdale, Arizona. So three to 5,000 degrees C. And then we infuse that with carbon-rich gas. Very simply, the carbon-rich gas rains down onto the seeds. Whatever it hits those seeds, the seeds give it the architectural understanding and knowledge on how to build a diamond. We all know that carbon has multiple forms. One is a lubricant, right? So it's the soft one of the softest substances on earth. And the flip is it's the hardest substance on earth. So it's complete dichotomy, right? Flip the flop. So the Diamond seeds actually give it this understanding, go, hey, you need to form like this to do a diamond. And that's what happens. So it starts replicating itself up in the process like this. In about 30 days, each one of those tiny little seeds turns into about a six to nine carat rough diamond. Wow. Pretty amazing to watch. Yeah. Then we take it, we in-house, we clean up the seeds because everywhere the carbon hits that's not on a seed, it creates a poly material this black hard material that it didn't know how to make a diamond. So again, it lands are like, I don't know what to do. We're just going to sit here. Right. So it forms a harder substance because of the heat. And then we take that, we clean it up and then we send it out for cut and polish. After cut and polish, it goes for certification, GIA, IGI. And then we bring it back in the States and we sell it. Wow. Wow. Seriously. Oh, it's easy. It's a piece <laughs> of cake. Process. Yeah. Ah,
1: yeah, I I like this. And then we,
2: and then it's funny. Cause you talk about for semiconductors, Right, Because we did extensive testing over this last year with our diamonds. I mean, massive testing, phonon tests, nuclear tests. We wanted to make sure when we say our diamonds are a diamond, that they're diamonds. We looked at every single test and standard that qualifies a stone as a diamond. We hit or beat. Then we started looking at, okay, now we know that the semiconductor field is massive. Right, You look at, here's, here's jewelry, which is a low-hanging fruit, and then The TAM for semiconductors just eclipses that. Diamonds not only are the hardest substance on Earth, they're also the number one thermal conductor, which a lot of people don't know. So when we talk about semiconductors, semiconductors, computer chips, switches, et cetera, the current base is either a GAN or silicone, Right. So when it's silicone, I mean, the biggest issue you have is you overclock your computer, your chip, it overheats. You can't dissipate the heat strong enough. So it's always that fight of how do we get the heat out of the computer and the computer chip to get it to perform at the speeds we want it to? When it comes to diamonds, they're 50 times more thermal conductivity than silicone. And the gap band energy is five times more gap band energy. So the ease of of electricity passing through the substance is five times more than that than silicone. Gives us a massive, massive advantage. So now our goal is to first get our diamond substrate to be used as a thermal coupler for computer chips and switches, semiconductors, and then post that, build the whole entire semiconductor out of a diamond substrate. So we kinda, it's almost like reversing the clock because CVD has been historically used to create semiconductors. Mm, Now we're taking and go, great, we're gonna use the process that we learned from the semiconductor industry and bring a new substance that modernizes and revolutionizes the semiconductor industry. Mm, Well. And for us, uh, we even have one more advantage. You'll kind of see when it comes to quantum computer, there's quantum computer. We're the only company in the world pretty much that can design and develop for that
1: the uh i'm one of the few journalists who have actually seen and touched the quantum computer <laughs> everybody's talking about them but uh, there's not too many of them yet around to to see to be honest
2: no i'm still on a radio shack TRSA level two from 1978. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no it's not here no, it's not here in the building the uh <laughs> the uh thing i wanted to ask you told us uh, kind of a big picture level about how the uh lab-grown diamonds have uh kind of got to relatively large portion of the whole diamond industry uh, how how kind of the since you guys uh started in 2019 how is your, your company how has it developed how's your position in the marketplace so we looked at i mean we're probably one of the top u.s brands
2: you know in the market right now um fortunately unfortunately right after we bought the assets we got the factory up and running new uh, equipment came in, you know, electrical equipment that was originally leased, we purchased. By the time we got everything together and up and running, the test was February 2020. COVID had just started to rear it's ugly head. So it did, we just, you had to hit the brakes. We didn't have a choice. We, you know, we couldn't, you know, put all the the, the the manpower we needed in the factory, etc. cetera. So we just are indeed for the whole course of COVID, which is almost like a year and a half. And during our R&D effort was how do we make our reactors, which are proprietary, how do we make them more efficient? Right, use less power, it invariably cost less to produce the diamonds, as well as get a higher output capacity for the diamonds, which we were very successful with. And then we said, you know, we want to make sure that we can better our diamond recipes. It's always whiter diamond, better, even though we make it in a laboratory, it's they're not perfect diamonds, it just doesn't work that way. You know, mother nature still plays mother nature, yeah. and when we talk about the color differentiation. So a D diamond is colorless; it's the best color you can get, right? Is a D for white diamond, and then you go to a J, which is pretty much starting to be a yellow diamond. In the in the reactor in our in our uh, recipe, it's less than one millionth of a part of nitrogen turns it from a D to a J. Very difficult process. You have to be very exact. So down to the this small minutiae. Um, so there's always variations. The seed might have one small, tiny imperfection, microscopically you can never see, that replicates itself up through the diamond. So it changes the clarity of the diamond as well. So there's a lot of different inner reactor environmental issues that can affect it. Mm-hmm. So we grow a diamond. So for us, it was bettering our know, white diamond, clearer, better, larger diamonds as well. Um, and we were very successful in that. Then our goal was always you know, to list on a on NASDAQ. So we listed on NASDAQ. Um, And we came in a a very tumultuous time in in the marketplace from a public standpoint. And then it was get the factory up running to full capacity, which we're successful to do. And then our mindset is, it's always how do I grow the company through acquisitions? How do we complete our ecosystem? So look, you know, Selling loose stones is almost a commodity. I want set goods. We, we looked in the market saw a huge need and a demand for a luxury lab-grown diamond jewelry line, which we didn't see, especially at that time. So we developed a, a company or we started a company called El Jolie, which is a sub of Adamas. El Jolie, we hired different designers around the world to design our jewelry, packaging, like everything from A to Z to be the best. We want to step out and be, you know, LVMH quality company. Right, off the, right out of the gate. And that was our goal and intention. So we've designed all of our jewelry. We start manufacturing the jewelry. We're pretty much done with all the designs, all the packaging, websites going up. And then we'll start our direct-to-consumer launch probably the beginning of January. Now, we were going to do it in November. We don't want to hit a, the selling season where everyone's discounting their product for a luxury brand. Um, so we're going to come in in January. So that's one thing we really pushed hard. We're pushing hard in the semiconductor technology standpoint as well right now. Um, we set up a company called uh, Adamus Technologies, so you'll start seeing a lot of stuff coming out from that as well. Um, Jerry McGuire, who's our COO of the company, he was a 23-year C-level executive at Analog Chips, semiconductors in America, and then he went on from there to, to Fairchild. So he's got a great resume and pedigree in that in that capacity. Um, and then you, we we see it. You know, how do we grow the company? You saw we, we put out, we're going to acquire a and polisher. We want to be in that ecosystem, right? So now we have the ability to turn if Diamond's Rock or one of the companies comes in and look, we need you know, 10,000 one-carat matching earring studs. When can you deliver, I go uh, 10 weeks, right? So we have the ability and the horsepower now to in turn service the needs and demands of the industry much easier than we could a year ago. So yeah. our goal is to be the most vertically integrated lab-grown Diamond company in the world.
1: You talked about the Not yellow undertaking. No, 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 no. <laughs>
0: <Not be laughs> I mean, sick.
1: come on! If you, if the lab grown diamonds have grown from one percent to fifty five percent of the market, I mean, you know, that's quite massive. The uh, yeah. you talked about the white uh, diamonds and the yellow diamonds. I've ho- I've heard also about the pink diamonds. Can you grow pink diamonds in the lab also? So we specialize in pink and white diamonds. Okay. Our pink diamonds
2: are true argyle pink. You know, there was only one mine that consistently produced pink diamonds from Africa, right in the world. It was was in Argyle. So it was Argyle mine. So it was Argyle. And they just shut that mine because it was done. There was no more coming out of it. And that was um, almost two years ago. They shut down the Argyle mine. Now there's some haphazardly once in a blue moon will come up in the middle of mining somewhere else. But consistently, it just doesn't exist. So we kind of took here's where the Argyle colors are, their range of colors and then we were able to replicate that within a laboratory environment. But we can do any color in the world. You want a blue diamond, a red diamond, a green diamond, and wow. actually we're just, we my, my calls for the last couple of days is like, we need one distinctive color that is our, our color that no one else can replicate, and I think it's what we're working on right now. I don't know what it's gonna be, but it <laughs> should be interesting.
1: So, sounds like a great marketing challenge. Think i wanted to ask you the the raw material you were talking about the mm-hmm. chips or the powder of the diamonds where everything is starting mm-hmm. to grow is that coming from the mind or mine or what is that uh, raw material so we can
2: use a mine diamond but they're not as consistent and clean for what we need from a growing standpoint like i said if it starts with any type of imperfection it's going to circle and, and spiral up um yeah. so we don't want to replicate that uh in in our in our growth process so we start with a seed that we've already grown from another diamond ah. or we'll purchase so we take a diamond and we start cutting it in, in micro those small small 120 micron layers and then we'll use those we clean them up we make sure they're perfectly square and that's what we use to grow and that's how that process works. Oh. Yeah, so it's not you know it's different than HPHT, which is the other format that people use to grow lab grown diamonds—high pressure, high temperature. Where they're starting with the carbonate material, they put in it's the pressure all at once and the heat. Very different process we have.
0: Okay,
1: okay. Uh, so the it's October twenty three now. Looking into that two thousand sorry twenty twenty four. What's the kind of the big milestone? What do you want to reach? I mean,
2: for us, I mean, first of all, was close our acquisition targets, mm-hmm. right? It'd complete our ecosystem, increase our production, start building out, or we already started building out, the, the new facility, get that up and, and running, you know, get 100 reactors that are going, um, make sure that our jewelry lines launch, you know, El Jolie. And that should, we're really excited about that. And then obviously, like I was just saying, really push hard in the semiconductor field. So those are our three goals and tasks. Factory, you know, is running a full production you know, complete the, the build out of our of our new factory. Um, semiconductor's technology sector really get a charge and, and take the lead on that, as well as get our jewelry line out there and launch
1: stuff. Not thank much. You. I, I
2: don't. I don't need. I don't need sleep.
1: <laughs> no, no, no. Who does? Who does? Who needs sleep? It's clearly overrated. Uh, thanks for thanks for the interview and good luck uh, with that uh, with uh, growing their diamonds.
2: Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate having me on and look. Let me know if you need me to send some samples. Good stuff. Thanks so much. <laughs> Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Electric
0: Ass. Welcome to Tuning into to Sound Wellbeing, where we harmonise your mind, body and soul. I'm Amanda, your sound therapy expert.
1: And I'm Stephen, the curious explorer uncovering the mysteries of sound.
0: Together we explore vibrations, frequencies, and the power of sound therapy and tuning forks.
1: Discover ancient wisdom, reduce stress, and tune into a healthier life. Subscribe to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing today.
0: Electric acid. Welcome to the Candle Power Hour. Come with us backstage, behind the scenes of show business spanning over four decades and bringing you the experiences that can only be told by the people who are there.
2: Our guests are from the A list, the F list, and everyone in between. Get set for some of the most insane, hilarious, and inspiring stories you will ever hear. I'm Mercury. And I'm Diego.
0: Your hosts for The The Candle Candle Power Power Hour. Hour.